0: Right. No. Well, good morning, again. good morning again. Welcome again to Calvary Chapel. I am very, very blessed that uh, my pastor from my church out in California, I Calvary Chapel, I it, came out and he did the, the first part of the wedding for me yesterday, you know, where who gives this woman to be this man? Because it, it would have been a real uncomfortable for me to go, okay, uh, who gives this woman to be this man? I come back down and like that. So, so. But Dennis and his wife, Donna, and Janelle over here, and Donna's back there, and Pastor Dennis Davenport has come out from California to share with us this morning, so we are blessed to have him. So, if you would welcome Pastor Dennis. And if you need a Bible, Charlie's got a bunch in his hand right there, just raise your hand and give it right to you. Well, good morning. Before we uh, start this morning, I. Recognize it's Veterans Day weekend. And so how many of you are veterans? Why don't you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet. We'd like to just thank you for your service to our country. And uh, so many of you are, you know, just we're blessed by you. And can I, I just want to pray for you guys and, and just, uh, just thank God for you. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Uh, for these who are standing here who, uh, Lord, have uh, been ones who have been in the thick of battle, Lord, been serving our country, been doing, Lord, the uh, the needed things to allow us the freedom that we enjoy today in this great country, Lord, to worship you, to open your word as we are presently, Lord, and to, uh, to share your word, Lord, so openly and and God, I thank you for them. I pray your blessing upon them, Lord. And and may we be those who continue in an attitude of gratitude towards those that are uh, serving presently, Lord, that are uh, not going to be home for Thanksgiving because they're in some other country. They're in some other part of our own country, Lord. We, we pray for their families as well, Lord, who have made the sacrifice. And uh, we just want to thank you, Lord, for these uh, men and women who have just uh, given uh, of their time and, and of their uh, service, Lord, to this country. And now, Lord, I pray as we open your word, Lord, that you would just bless this time, that your Holy Spirit would just lead and guide, and that you would uh, strengthen our faith in you, Lord, and that we would be that church that would have ears to hear what your Spirit says. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, you know, it's uh, it's a Veterans Day weekend uh, yesterday uh, for Annie's wedding. Uh, the guys, military guys, I saw them in their, you know, military outfits and everything. So I've got kind of a military thing on my mind. So I'm going to teach about the military today. Not really. But I am, the title of my message is called Armed and Ready. So let's get out your Bibles and let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll be looking at verses 10 through 18. Let's, let's read the text here. Uh, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am am an ambassador in chains, that that I may speak rather boldly as I ought to speak. I think you get the idea from that text that, well, we are in a battle. In the military, in the Navy specifically, there's a a command that they issued. I don't know if they still do presently, but it used to say battle stations. And whenever a sailor heard that, you see, he knows, okay, it's time to get to my post. It's time to lock and load, make sure the safety is off. The trigger is pulled back and I am ready to fight and to fire. Listen, we are all in a war as Christians. In fact, everybody is in a war on planet Earth. You see... Husbands and wives fight with each other. Kids fight with their parents. We've got the Democrats fighting the Republicans and the Republicans, the Democrats, and protests going on presently over an election. I don't get it, but it's the way it is, you see, and they're free to do that. But you see the signs of this kind of spiritual battle manifest You see, when people are, well, not getting along with one another. And listen, prior to us becoming Christians, we were at war with God. Now that we've come to Christ, well, we're no longer at war with God. As we've surrendered our lives unconditionally to Him, God says, hey, we're at peace. But when you lay down your arms at the cross in surrender and make peace with God, guess what? If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know that the devil declares war on you. You're at peace with God, but now the enemy of our souls is, is attacking, you see. So what's that mean to you and me? Well, what it means is kind of what Paul's laying out here. Listen, you got to be ready because this battle is continual. It is permanent until we finally get to heaven, you see. Now, it's one thing to fight a war, and we're all at war. It's another thing to know how to win the war. In order to win the war, Paul is laying out to this church in Ephesus... He is saying, hey, there are certain things that are necessary. You have to have the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, the Bible. You have to have the, the shield of faith. You have to lay hold of that. You have to put on the helmet of salvation. You gotta have your feet shod with the preparation of the Gospel. You gotta be girded with a, you know, over the loins with truth, you see. And He lays it out there for us, or if you don't have those things, we will lose that war every time. And Paul has made clear to us who our enemy is. But if we're going to win, there's one thing here that after he gets done with all of the weaponry and laying it out, he says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. He wants us to know that this, at the end of the day, is a war that can only be won uh, by the power of God. You can't win this battle we are engaged in without the power of God. That's why he says, be strong in the Lord there in verse 10. Listen, it's not a matter of pumping iron. It's not a matter of lifting weights. You can buy two or three bow flexes if you want. But that's not going to enable you to win this war. It's spiritual discipline that matters. If we are going to be ready, if we are going to be the kinds of soldiers that experience victory as Christians. In other words, we're not fighting this war in our power. We fight in God's power. Have you ever tried to win someone to Christ before? Have you ever shared the gospel with anyone and and uh, you know I I've done that and, and many times when I do, one of the things that people will say, those that are open and receptive at times. I mean, some people just say, "Shut up! I don't want to hear about Jesus." But but there are those others that say, "You know what? I'd like to." To be like you and a, a good person like you and to uh, live a, a godly life and to change my ways. But, but you know what? I could never live up to that. I don't think it would ever work for me because you know what? The life that you're living, I, I just couldn't do, you see, because I, I got issues. Listen, the Bible teaches Well, it doesn't teach that it's hard to live the Christian life. And you need to let them know that. It teaches it's impossible to live the Christian life. And you need to let them know that. What you see in me by way of anything spiritually is, listen, it's not me. It's Jesus, you see, if you see a life that's holy. You see, it's God that gives the power. I mean, if I tried to do this thing on my own, it, it, it can't happen. It, it, it would just be an effort in religious, religiosity. And I, I even might manage to fool you to some capacity. But guess what? God knows my heart. I can't fool Him. And I wouldn't fool you for long. You see, the fact of the matter is, it's by the Spirit of God. That we are able to do, to change, to live in any kind of victory at all. And we need to realize that. That's one of the things that people don't realize. Even Christians many times don't realize. We can't win this war in our own power. You see, that's the bad news. The good news is, is guess what? We don't have to. You can't fight Satan in your own power. That's why when I hear people talking to the devil, you know what, devil, you just get out of here. You just leave me alone. You just, you know, and they, and I'm going, what are you doing? Even Michael, the archangel in Jude said when there was a contention over Moses's body, uh, Michael said, the Lord rebuke you. I don't even want to talk to you. I don't want to give you a moment's time or any attention. Hey, the Lord, Lord, take care of him. When Satan comes and knock and send Jesus to answer, don't you be answering the door. Don't you be messing around. I believe that most Christians who try to put up a fight with Satan many times, uh, we do it in the power, power of our own flesh, in our own strength. You... Try to outsmart him. You try to psych him out. You try to outmaneuver him. But he's a slithering serpent and he's a roaring lion, the Bible says. It's hard to outmaneuver a slithering serpent. He can go places and get around things that you can't. And they can go pretty fast, some of those serpents. And a lion, no match for you or me. The only way we can defeat this enemy, Satan, is in the power of God. And listen, if you as a Christian are experiencing more defeat than you are victory, it's usually for two reasons. Number one, you fail to realize your deficiency. And you know how that's manifest by many? And I get convicted when I... I'm teaching this right now. I'm going, Oh God, I don't want to tell them this because it makes me because I know. I mean, I'm going to tell them this because you told me this, but it's a struggle in my own life. And that is we fail to realize honestly our own deficiency. How do I know that? Well, because of a life that is not praying as it could be as it should be i got this lord it's just a job it's just this situation no i i I can handle this yeah i'm going to go out and do this rather than starting our day with prayer and remaining in that attitude of prayer and going, God, you know what? I cannot do what You've called me to do. I can't live how You've called me to live. I can't love my wife. I can't love my children. I can't uh, lead my family. I I can't have any impact in my uh, job, you see, without You. So God, help me like a child who doesn't know what to do. Daddy, how do I do this? That kind of humility, that kind of recognition. You see, that's a recognition that, that the, of the reality. Without Him, Jesus, I can do what? Nothing. Do we really, really believe that? I think sometimes for many of us as Christians... And I'm including myself. I'm not up here getting all preachy to you with a guy. You're not talking. I mean, a guy that has it together isn't talking to you. I, 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 I have a Jesus that has it together. And I want to tell you about him. If i tell you about me. I, I'm growing. And I'm on the road. And I'm doing a little better than I were, was, you know, a few years ago. But I, I want you to know I haven't arrived. And you know what? I go out many times like you see. The children of Israel in the Bible, you know, okay, God help us. And then the next time, you know, at Ai, they get great victory at Jericho. Blow the trumpet, the walls fall down. They think they're pretty hot stuff. So, oh, these just a few guys up there at Ai, we're going to we're gonna nail them. We'll take them out. And so they cruise up without any prayer and they cruise up without any prayer and thus they have no power and they're defeated and there are casualties as a result. How many casualties are in the church? Because they failed. How many casualties in your home because we failed to seek the Lord in prayer. You see, it's interesting when you get to the point in your Christian life many times where you think you're the strongest. You're really the weakest. That's what the Scriptures say. Paul, the Lord speaking, said... In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul didn't start there, but he came there. What's your weakness? Do you realize where you're weak? You see, it's that area of your weakness isn't that where you find yourself on your knees the most and seeking the lord the most about and praying the most about you see paul is saying here when i realized my weakness then i realized my strength and if you study the great men of god as you look throughout The scriptures, you see, you'll recognize that these were men. These were women who recognized their deficiency. They recognized without Christ they could do nothing. Charles Finney, one of the greatest preachers who ever lived, once kept a huge crowd waiting for more than an hour before he went to the platform to speak. I mean, they just were hanging out there just... Probably wondering where he was, and finally someone went to get him and, and tell him, uh, "Charles, you need to come to the platform to speak." And so this guy goes to the room where he is and knocks on the door, and he hears Finney in there crying out behind, closed the doors, Lord, I will not go unless you go with me. Remember Moses, Lord." I'm not going unless you go before me. How many of us have that attitude daily? God, I'm not I want to go to work without you going before me, Lord, to work. I, I need you. Recognizing God's our deficiency. And then the second thing that keeps us from experiencing the victory and God's power as we could, you see, is we fail to rely on God's sufficiency. In and of ourselves, as I've already told you, we don't have the power, the strength, or the endurance to hang in there and fight this war and win it. But God does. Paul asks in Corinthians, who is sufficient for these things? Who's enough? Who can handle the things that I face in life? Paul reminded us, in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. The problem so often is prayer is the last place we go whenever we've got any kind of situation. You've heard people do it. You've done it. I've done it. Well, I've done this. I've done that. I've done this. I guess all I can do is Pray. Like, yeah, what a bummer. What a drag. The only thing left to do is talk to the creator of the universe who spoke light, spoke the earth, you know, gave you life. Yeah, that's all I'm, I guess I'll just have to give up and resort to that. You poor baby. That should be our first and primary resource. And and. and Instead of trying everything before you try prayer, turn it around. Try prayer first and then go ahead and do things. But pray first. You know what? We organize and advertise and publicize and systematize and mobilize and scrape the bottom of the barrel of our human resources and, and we try to do these things that, you know, that we can get men to do. You gotta help me. Everybody's gotta help me with this. And when you try to do the things that men can do and recruit men, you see, and women to do it, you get what they can do. But men and women are limited. When you try God first, guess what you get? You get what God can do. And guess what? Our God can do what? Anything, all things. There's nothing too hard for God. You see, that's key. Precious saints, listen to me. Prayer can do anything God can do. That's so important to realize. Because God can do anything. But many Christians are losing the war because they never tried God. And without God, you cannot win. With God, Listen to this, you can't lose. So are you losing? Guess where the problem lies. Heard about a little boy that was uh, in the yard moving a heavy, trying to move rather, a heavy stone. He was grunting and groaning and struggling, trying to move this stone and not getting anywhere. Well, his dad was standing near and by, unbeknownst to him, watching him with some amusement. As the guy is trying to move, his son's trying to move this big old rock. And finally, after the boy was near exhaustion, he said, Son, are you having a little trouble moving that obstacle? To which his son said, Yes, Dad. He says, Well, have you used all your strength? He said, Yes, Dad. The dad said, No, you haven't, because you haven't asked me yet. You see, it's the same that's the thing that is true with us verse 10 we are told to fight satan in the power of god's might not in the power of our might or the power of the church's might or the power of the pastor's might it's in the power of our heavenly father's might now that raises a question how do you get that power how do you get this might? How do you become strong in the Lord? Well, there's only one way you can have power with God, and that is you need to know God. Daniel says in Daniel 11:32, The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. I like the way it reads in the message, which is a paraphrase, a paraphrase, but it, it, I, I like the way it reads. It, it reads like this: "The king of the North will uh, play up to those who betray the holy covenant, corrupting them even further with his seductive talk, but those who stay courageously loyal to their God will take a strong stand. See, it doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter how clean you live. It doesn't matter how much you do or how careful you are if you don't know the Lord. And I mean truly, honestly know the Lord in an intimate way. Seeking Him on a consistent basis. Growing in that knowledge. You see, without that going on, you are a, a weakling. You have no way to do what God's asked you to do. You see, if we're going to do that, we've got to spend time with Him. You get strength for the battle in your devotional life, in your daily opening of God's Word. That's where you get the strength. That's where you get the wisdom that you need to walk in victory. And I want to warn you of something. Satan, if you've ever tried to have a devotional life consistently... Satan is going to do everything he can to keep you from having that quiet time because he knows that's the secret of victory. He knows that that's the key to joy. That's the secret to peace, to to dealing with the anxiety that we struggle with. That's why you need to make your quiet time with God. And I don't care when you do it. Just do it daily. Make your quiet time with God uh, at something that is a priority in your life. Charles Spurgeon, probably the greatest preacher who has ever lived since the Apostle Paul. He had a time, a, a quiet time, where he would get alone with God every day. Well, one day he was having a quiet time with the Lord, and a visitor came to see him at the church office there. In fact, a, a very important and prominent church member. And so the secretary went to the door, this is before telephones, and said, uh, I'm so, Mr. Spurgeon uh, asked rather if, it, if this man could see Mr. Spurgeon, gave him his name, and Mr. Spurgeon says, uh, no, I'm in prayer. And so she went back and told the guy, you know, no, he can't see you now, he's in prayer. The man said, well, you go tell Mr. Spurgeon that it's very urgent that I see him. And the maid came back and said, And they said, Mr. Spurgeon can't be disturbed. And finally the man said, Well, you tell Mr. Spurgeon that the servant, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ is here and he needs to see him. So the maid went to Mr. Spurgeon and Mr. Spurgeon said to her, Would you go tell the man that though he is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am busy with his master and therefore I can't speak to the servant. Would to God that we are busy with the Master like Spurgeon. That's why he had such a powerful and impactful ministry and was used so mightily of the Lord. So we start, you see, with God's power. Secondly, we stay in God's presence. Verse 18 there, Paul writes after listing all the the, uh, weapons of our war, he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The reason why Paul is going to conclude this passage on spiritual warfare by calling God's people to prayer is because people, prayer is the battle. You see, when we're praying, we're not getting ready to fight the battle. When we're praying, we are in the battle. Prayer is the fight. It's on the battlefield of prayer that the war will either be won and lost. And you can go all the way back to the Garden of Gethsemane. And you remember Jesus taking the disciples there with Him, three of them. And He took him into the garden, and then He told them to watch and pray. And then He went further into the garden and He prayed. When He came back to see, to check on the disciples, what were they doing? They were sleeping. They weren't praying. God understands. Sometimes, sometimes when we're praying, we, have you ever problem with sleep when you're praying? It's such a bummer when that happens. I mean, can you imagine... How, here's the creator of the universe. Thank God for His grace. Can you imagine if you were talking to one of your friends or, or someone suddenly, you know, you're just talking and, and, and boom, you fall asleep. Or they're talking and you fall asleep on them. It's never a good sign. If you do that very often, the relationship isn't going to be very healthy. You see... We need to be those that give the prime time to this, this exercise of prayer. Not going to ever be easy, but this is the place of the battle. And the war is not fought on your feet. That's why the enemy who is who is aligned with your flesh will seek to drag you down and, and keep you away from giving the priority of your energy, the primary Uh, you know, cream of the crop when it comes to your energy. Uh, Don't give that to prayer. He'll do everything he can to stop you. Listen, I want you to realize, and, and we as the church need to realize, especially in the days in which we are living, and that is that Satan does not fear our sermons. He does not fear our singing. He does not fear our service or our stewardship, but he fears our prayers. That's why it's so hard to pray. If Satan can do only one thing in this church, you know what he's going to try and do? Keep you from praying. R.A. Torrey, one of the greatest Bible teachers who ever lived, said, the devil is not afraid of organization. He's only afraid of God. An organization without prayer is an organization without God. He's not afraid of buildings or budgets or baptisms. It's prayer that Satan fights. It's prayer that Satan fears. And it's prayer that Satan flees. You want the enemy to go? Resist the enemy. How do you do that? Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Listen, it's better to have a strong soldier in weak armor than a weak soldier in strong armor. You want to be a strong soldier, you've got to pray. And listen, when we pray, think about this. The devil cannot keep God from answering that prayer. So what's he try to do? He tries to keep us from asking. He knows he can't keep God from answering the prayers of his people. So what's he do? He keeps us from asking. That's what he tries to do. You see, that's why prayer is the battle. Who's Who's Satan at war with? Is he at war with me or with you? No, he's at war with God. Revelation chapter 12 tells us about a war that once took place in heaven. It was a war that was fought between Satan and God. And it was God who threw Satan out of heaven. You know the story. And a third of the angels went along with him. It's God who has doomed Satan to eternal hell. So Satan's war is not primarily with us. It's with God. But listen, here's what Satan knows. Pay attention to this. He cannot hurt God. God isn't in heaven going, oh, wow, I'm scared he's going to hurt me. He can't hurt God, and he knows it. He's no match for God. So what's he do? Well, if you want to hurt someone and you know you can't get to them, the next best thing to do is try to harm someone that that person loves and cares about and is close to. That's why Satan takes up war with us and he tries to harm us because he knows the love of God for us. And if he wants to get to God and hurt Him, he attacks through us. The beautiful thing about prayer is when we pray, we take the battle that Satan is bringing to us and we throw it back where it belongs to God. And guess what? He can't hurt us. David understood that. That's why a shepherd boy with a slingshot could defeat the largest, strongest man in the entire world with a little rock. He was willing to fight the giant. He was able to defeat the giant because he understood something that no one else standing around at that time understood in the nation of Israel. He said, at the conclusion of his challenge to Goliath, David said this in 1 Samuel seventeen forty-seven: Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and the spear the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, Trump or Clinton, or conservative values, the Lord does not save. Listen, here's what I want to warn you of, of precious saints. Okay, so, uh, we've got the, the godliest guy we could have, probably in the, the election, and there's a sense of victory there, and, and, uh, and so there's a tendency to go, well, you know, we got Pence in there now, and, and well Trump he's a piece of work but Pence is there and and so there's there's and then the platform is good the platform is is good and and more uh biblically based value wise uh, some may say and so so we can kick back now no 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 because listen the political candidates and pundits are never going to fix what's wrong with this country it's only Jesus church it's only Jesus and that's what David realized. Hey, God, you do the work. Hezekiah stood up before his people in Second Chronicles 32, verse 6. He says, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army. For there is a power far greater on our side. He may have a great army, but they are merely men. We have the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles for us. And Hezekiah's words greatly encouraged the people. Listen, don't be discouraged. God's fighting for us. No matter what happens. When you pray, you release the power of God in battle. A Christian who refuses to pray is like a soldier who would go into battle with a pop gun when he could be using a cannon. Thirdly and finally, not only do we start with God's power and Stay in God's presence, but we stand for God's purpose. Three times in the verses that we read this morning, we are told to stand. We're told against the stand, against the schemes or the the wiles of the devil. We're told, having done all to stand, stand. In verse 13 and verse 14, Paul begins by saying, stand therefore. Now, that's a a strange thing because here you are with the armor on and that's what Paul has been uh, talking about in this section. You're out on the, the battlefield of prayer, of pacing back and forth. You can hardly wait to attack. You're ready to head out into the front lines waiting for your marching orders. And, and finally the marching orders arrive. You've got all your gear on. That's the picture Paul's painting. And the marching orders arrive. And what do they say? Charge! No, they don't say charge. What does he say? Several times. Stand! Stand. Stand firm. You wonder why that is? Here's why. When you take a stand for God, you won't have to go to battle. Satan will bring the battle to you. In Daniel, a chapter 3, the story of three courageous young men who loved, loved God more than their own lives. Their names, oh, you probably know them. If you have the VeggieTales videos, there's Shadrach and Benny. If you have a Bible, there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know the story. A law was passed that everyone in the country would have to bow down and worship the golden image of King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, these three men didn't go out and protest. They didn't cause a ruckus in the sense that they were carrying signs or placards or anything. They, they didn't carry on any kind of violent demonstrations. They didn't go out burning anything. But when everybody else bowed down at the sound of the trumpet, all they did was simply stand and remain standing. Just because they stood up For God, the battle was brought to them. One of the main reasons our country is in the shape she's in today is because God's people have been bowing down before the gods of this world instead of standing up for the Lord Jesus Christ for too long. We've been sitting on the sidelines silently instead of standing strongly for the Savior. And listen, God is not looking for Christians who can do spiritual somersaults and jump 20 pews at a time and swing from the chandeliers and speak in tongues and roll down the aisles and perform miracles or do any number of those kinds of things. God is simply looking for people who will stand firm and stand up in Christ not looking for Christians who can run fast. He's looking for Christians who can stand fast. You see, the issue is not in what a believer has done. But when the battle is over and the smoke is clear, the question is, is he standing true and standing firm for his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Or in, are you in communi- communication with the, with the uh, commander? and chief, our Lord Jesus Christ. The battle is won on our knees, saints. You know the old song, the old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? The lyrics, great song. It says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. lyrics go on have we trials and temptations you got them have we trouble anywhere we should never be discouraged why take it to the lord in prayer can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share jesus knows our every weakness take it to the lord in prayer are we heavy laden cumbered with a load of care Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou will find solace there. Precious Saints, the power of prayer. That must be the priority in our lives. We start with God's power. We stay in God's presence. And we stand for God's purpose. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and for the faithful work of your Holy Spirit to minister your word to our hearts. And now, Lord, I pray as we have heard these things as your church. God, that we would heed these things. Lord, we know that the power of is available, we know that you delight to give good things to your children. We thank you, Lord, that because of what Christ has done on the cross, we are called your children because we have believed. We have received you as Lord and Savior. We put our faith and our trust in you, Lord. And I pray now, God, that that would be seen with greater clarity as a result Of opening your word today. Lord that we would not just hear these things. But Lord that we would make a choice to to make a change. When it comes to priorities. When it comes to prayer. When it comes to the frequency of prayer. When it comes to the the wisdom that we gain there. and, and, And the sufficiency of you our God. Lord may we be those who are in tune with you. Hearing what your spirit would say. Spending that time, Lord, so the communication is, is clear and familiar. Because of our a fellowship with our Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray that you would just um, continue, Lord, to strengthen us as a church. That we would continue in this Springfield area, in this community, Lord. To, to continue to light and, and, and be those who, who uh, people look at us and they see with clarity a love and a passion for Jesus and the power of your Spirit working in and through us, showing them and sharing with them, not just by words, but in deeds. May they see your love and your life. May they sense your peace and your joy. And Lord, may that joy and that peace and that love that is displayed because of what You have done on the cross for us, invite them, Lord, into a personal relationship with You. And Lord, I pray if there's any here today that have not yet given their lives to You, Lord, that they might come today and give their lives to Christ. That they might come up after and and allow... Someone to pray with them and, and lead them in a word of prayer asking Christ into their life. There's there's no prayer, Lord, that, uh, that you will not hear. And you hear the sinner that calls out to you for forgiveness. And Lord, you'll give them new life. A life that is abundant. And the power through your Spirit to change. Not only presently to break the chains of addiction. To break... Of the uh, chains of depression and anxiety, Lord, you will give them eternal life as well, as a life abundantly. So, Lord, if there's any that don't know you, draw them to yourself, and we'll give you the thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.